You ever wish that your saved friends and your woke friends were the same group of people? If so, then this episode is just for you. Join me as we revisit a conversation I had about how awkward and sometimes even hurtful it is to abruptly find out that your Christian friends who love the Lord don't seem to love their neighbors as much as you thought they might. In addition to sharing our stories, the purpose of this episode is to encourage all of you listening who are saved and woke to know that you are not the one with the issue. You're not creating division or walking in anger or whatever other pseudo-spiritual nonsense people throw at you. You are being led by the Spirit. So walk on. This is the Saved and Woke Podcast, all about gospel-centered conversations on social justice, politics, and pop culture. I am your host, Juan say. I'm a social worker, husband, father, and most importantly, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Join us as we seek to shed gospel light on issues like systemic injustice, racism, and social change. You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique to say, here with another edition of the Saved and Woke podcast where Christ and consciousness go hand in hand. Last episode, we revisited a conversation, my first conversation with my old co-host, DeAndre Jenkins, uh, which was entitled living saved and woke in strictly progressive spaces where we talked about the awkwardness of being a believer uh, a socially conscious believer um, in you know strictly progressive spaces and now we're going to talk about the flip side of that reality which is being a socially conscious believer in strictly christian spaces this is a topic that is near and dear to me this is these first two episodes were the you know really the reason the top two reasons behind me wanted to start the podcast because I wanted to create a space for this type of discourse and really it was the the difficulty of navigating like progressive spaces for me that really launched me into wanting to start this show um, but the more I got into this work, the more I found out, I was like, wow, man, like I really thought that Christians would be more receptive to, f- and more compassionate, more, more loving, more gentle, and just nicer and kinder when finding out about the, the suffering of others um and just the, about the injustices that that go on instead i find that a lot of times there's there's blame um and worst of all that people's cultural or political identities will supersede the the christian ethic of loving our neighbors and having compassion for others compassion that leads us not just to feel for them, but to act on their 
behalf, to advocate for them, to stand up for them, and to to put our neighbors' needs uh, above our own. I'll be sharing more background into the story that I shared in this original conversation, as well as more recent examples of my own wokeness coming into conflict with the Christianity that I was raised to believe in, as well as the Christianity of some of my friends and and family. So I hope you all enjoy. I hope you all can appreciate this. Without further ado, let's get into it. The purpose of this episode is not to bash Christians or the church. Yeah, I most definitely agree. So Basically, me and Juan, we just see some things in the body of Christ that are troubling us, and we just want to shed light on it so that we can come together and fix it. Exactly. So this is genuinely to provide some constructive criticism on what we've seen in the church that is not Christ-like, so that it can be fixed, not simply to shame believers, because that's not how the Spirit works. He brings conviction. Not condemnation. And the word says in Galatians 6 and 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, in any fault, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So again, not condemnation, but restoration. Can I get an amen? Amen. So D, clearly you have some feelings about all this. Oh yes, yes I do. So could you tell us about a time when you felt like your social consciousness was at odds with your Christianity? So I was attending a conference uh, at a church, um, a local church for youth and young adults, where the speaker, who by the way was from the UK, um, he basically made a statement regarding mass incarceration, regarding the mass incarceration of black men. So he basically stated that it was not a race issue, that it was a fatherless issue. So. We're going to pause here because this is a classic over slash pseudo spiritualization of a social reality. D and I do a good job of explaining the root of mass incarceration in this conversation. But in general, I want to mention how Christians, or I say unlearned Christians, so to speak, have been taught to fear what they would call overly intellectual secular dirty explanations for social realities and they'll often throw out throw them out altogether for ideas that you know have been religiously sanitized and what's dangerous about these ideas that they try to replace them with is that they don't have to make sense they just have to connect with something in the bible no matter how flimsy the connection is. And here's just one example. I often hear people take Christ's words out of context when talking about giving to the poor. And they will do this in defense of not giving to the poor, right? And they'll say, well, Christ said that the poor will always be with us, right? So Jesus did say that. But when he said that, the topic at hand was not whether or not people should give to the poor. So what was going on in this context was Mary Magdalene had just anointed Jesus' feet, preparing him for burial. And she used some very, very expensive 
oils and perfumes to to anoint Jesus' feet. And Judas Iscariot, who eventually betrayed Jesus and who up until that point had been embezzling money from their ministry fund, he was upset because he didn't get to steal that, but said, man, that money could have been given to the poor. And Jesus, knowing his heart, that he wasn't really trying to give to the poor at all and was completely just, he did not understand the moment. Like Jesus was about to be crucified. He's like, man, look, the poor you'll always have with you, but I, me, Jesus Christ in the flesh, you will not always have with you. She has done a good thing. And from, from this moment on, whenever the gospel is preached, this woman's name will be shared as well. And that's, and, and that, and that is the case. And so this whole notion that they like, people try to just say, oh man, well, the God, Jesus said the poor will always be with us. Not even biblically, that doesn't hold up because I just use the, out of, out of context that just can be used for anything. And one of my teachers told me, he was like, you know, the Bible can be used to prove or disprove anything as long as you take it out of context. And so that's what people do so often is take, take some spiritual concept, whether it's in the Bible or not, or as long as it's something that they know church people will, will jive with or that is in line with mainstream church culture. They can just say it and throw it in there. Oh, no, this is the real reason. And then people will just say, yeah, without actually looking into it, without actually thinking. And that. That is dangerous. But now let's get back to the rest of the conversation. Yeah, right. Like that, so, the same so, <laughs> face that you got right now. That's kind of like how I was. So how did you feel about that? <laughs> um, so it just, it, it, it took me aback. But uh, I, I have to really break, break down to you, like, just everything that happened in full detail. detail. So, like, up until this point... I had been listening with my head down, but when he said that particular statement, my head just popped up immediately. And I was like, wait, did I hear that right? <laughs> and then, you know, when it processed in my mind, I was like, yo, this dude really doesn't have a clue. And unfortunately, because he made that statement, I tuned out the rest of his message and just ended up texting my friends who weren't even at the conference. Uh, that's how, that's that's just how heated I was about the whole thing. I and feel you. Yeah, so I'm I'm quite sure his intentions were pure and his message was meaningful, but his lack of knowledge about the perpetuation of the cycle of mass incarceration of the of black males just really threw me for a loop. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, but dude, like really. So what's the problem though? Because, I mean, a lot of black children do grow up without their fathers in the home. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that 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 may be true, <laughs> but then that begs the question: Where are the fathers? Why are these kids growing up fatherless? And so the answer is because black men, especially black fathers, have always been major targets of racial oppression. Because racists know, or white supremacists, if you will, that having a father at home promotes strength and unity. And the last thing a racist wants is a strong black man raising strong children and building a strong community. So they invest ways, they, they actually invent ways rather of how to get, you know, the black male out of the picture. And during chattel slavery, they just killed him or sold him to another plantation. During the Jim Crow era, they lynched him. 
Now they label him as a felon and send him to prison. So again, Dee did a really good job giving some more context and more background on the reality of this quote unquote fatherlessness issue. I do want to add the fact that Keith Woodley shared in the episode last season of Chicago at a Crossroad that many fathers actually pretend, many black fathers pretend to be absent so that their families can get the assistance that they need to survive. So this whole black men having a fatherlessness issue is is really a self-fulfilling prophecy. They expect it, require it for for assistance. And so people knowing that act like they don't live there so that their families can get what they need. Just another wrinkle in this issue that I don't think that too often um, Christians aren't aware of or even worse, just completely close themselves off to receiving this type of information. So next I share an unexpectedly contentious conversation with some saved friends of mine about, or that eventually led to the topic of quote unquote, black on black crime. Is there any experiences that you have in relation to this subject? Because, you know, you seem pretty shocked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. All right, do, do tell. All right, so my, well, this is the one that I kind of think of a lot when I think of that one moment that kind of characterizes the tension between social consciousness and being a believer or the tension that people create. Um, so one day I was with a group of my saved friends around the time when Mike, Gr- Mike Brown was just shot and there were a lot of demonstrations going on. And someone made the comment along the lines of, well, yeah, police brutality is wrong, but we can't get on them for killing us if we're killing us too. <laughs> exactly. Y'all can't see Dee's face right now, but she just slapped it. (laughs) So after that, the whole conversation switched from talking about police brutality to talking about this really strange thing they kept calling black-on-black crime. What? Black-on-black crime, though? Yeah, weird, right? So I responded by saying, and you know, I admit I may have come off a little strong when I said this, but... still stand by my statement, that there is no such thing as quote-unquote black-on-black crime. So please don't misunderstand me. When I say black-on-black crime doesn't exist, I'm not saying that black people have never been robbed, assaulted, or criminalized in any way by other black people because, you know, they definitely have. Um, However, that's the case for all racial groups simply because most crimes are a matter of opportunity and convenience, meaning that you're most likely to criminalize someone that lives near you, someone that you probably even know. And given that Americans tend to live around people of the same race, I mean, it should really come as no surprise that the majority of black people are criminalized by other black people, their neighbors. Um, And the problem is that the media never talks about white on white crime or any other intra-racial crime. Um, Instead, they sensationalize crime in black communities Mm -hmm. in order to make black people seem like they are dangerous even to themselves. And, and this is key, it's worth noting that no one ever seems to care about 
black on black crime until you start trying to solve police brutality. That is the truth. <laughs> like black on black crime was all lives matter before all lives matter because you never see <laughs> an all lives matter post a protest, excuse me, when people are, are being killed. And I posted about this on Instagram as well. Just you only see black um, all lives matter when they want people to stop saying black lives matter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And in the same that. way, people only talk about black on black crime to get you to stop talking about police brutality. Of course. And if y'all still ain't with me, numbers don't lie. So here you go. Um, there was a Huffington Post article actually a couple years ago with these statistics. It said that 84% of white people killed every year are killed by other whites. In 2011, there were more cases, there were more cases of whites killing whites than there were of blacks killing blacks. And between 1980 to 2008, 53.3%, that's the majority y'all, of gang related murders were committed by white people. And with a majority of homicide victims in general also being white as well. Hmm. Well, all those facts, you know, the numbers and stuff you spit, you know, that made sense to me, but same like your friends didn't get it. No, like they did not. My Christian friends did not get it at all. Um, didn't even seem like they were really trying to listen because I gave a pretty lengthy explanation and things just changed from a friendly conversation to them pretty much yelling at me and berating me for even suggesting such a thing. Wow. We're pausing here because I mentioned that I had given a lengthy explanation to support my claim of black on black crime being sensationalized in American media and just general consciousness. And I want to add, just let you all know that it's not always best to throw a deluge of facts and figures out in the middle of an unexpected turn in a conversation like this. I actually think it's best to still firmly disagree or firmly make your point known and, you know, share maybe one or two truths. And so in, in this context, I would have said, no, I don't believe that at all. I think black on black crime is really sensationalized in the media. Um, it doesn't happen any more than white on white crime or uh, Latino on Latino crime. It's really the same, but the media makes it seem like it's different. You know, I get what you're saying, but it's really more complex than that. And what you're talking about, police brutality is completely separate from this. And I would have just probably left it at that. You know, like giving a dissertation usually turns things into a debate and there are no friends to love in debates just opponents to be beaten so keep that in mind so i'm gonna put my counselor hat on for a minute so how did that make you feel hold on let me sit back on this metaphorical couch <laughs> so dr d i mean really i was i was shocked i really was shocked um because the way they were talking to me one, they were not talking to me like my friends. That was the first thing. I was like, yo, these are different people talking to me all of a sudden. And then, of course, later on, I was like, that was not 
a spirit filled conversation. That was not very quote unquote Christian of you. A bit. Um, a bit. And so I'm like, especially like Christians who are supposed to love their neighbors. Christians are supposed to love strangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my friends who are Christians couldn't even bring themselves to even consider, like, listen to me, their friend. Right, right, right. Um, and it was just weird because I called these people my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, that's not something I just throw around. I don't say that very lightly. Um, it's not just because, you know, we as believers are just automatically brothers and sisters in Christ. But because these particular people that I was having that conversation with, we have really grown close and grown mm-hmm. spiritually alongside one another. Yeah, yeah. But that conversation did not end with me feeling like I was with my family, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a problem in and of itself because as Christians, we're supposed to love our neighbors. But mm-hmm. in that moment, like I said, they weren't even showing me, their friend, any sort of kindness. And that's really like the main tension I have with our experience with, you know, being saved in the world. Based off of, you know, everything that, you know, you just said, like they clearly, clearly are not woke (laughs) and you know it also may be fair to say that it seems like at some point that they weren't as quote-unquote saved as they proclaimed themselves to be in the first place yeah and that's the thing because like if they were saved and they are then i feel like the spirit should be leading them into all truth um the spirit should be leading them into social consciousness should be leading all christians into social consciousness and social awareness um just awareness of the truth of what's going on around them. But I mean, the thing about it is like the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force yes, you to do anything that you don't want to do. That's true. And we must re- also remember, saints, that everything we get from the Holy Spirit is not always a direct download from the pearly gates. God often uses people to deliver messages like when you're talking on the phone or chilling with a friend at a coffee shop, or perhaps even listening to a podcast. So be open to what God has for you. That's all we we ask. Too many saved people, and people in general these days, especially when you're talking about politics or anything that has been politically charged, are completely and totally closed off to hearing facts, data, stories, anecdotes that go against their worldview. And Christians should not be like this. We should be open to whatever the Holy Spirit has for us, no matter how much it may rock us. You know, it seems that the false spiritualization of social matters has actually made too many in the church less affected by the Holy Spirit they claim to be led by. You know, we shouldn't be afraid of books. We shouldn't be afraid of intellectualism. And I'm not saying we have to believe and incorporate every new thing into our belief system, but we should at least be able to engage it and allow the Holy Spirit to direct our application of this knowledge, not our political camp or not whatever religious teaching we were fed as as kids or whenever we first came to the faith. And before we go, I said at the very beginning of this episode that I was going to share uh, a, a recent story from my own life of how my social consciousness has been coming into conflict with my Christian, in this case, my Christian upbringing. So 
just I'll get straight to the point. I actually talked about this on my Instagram. If you check my IGTV, personal IGTV, I just posted something about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, especially what's going on recently. And pretty much straight up, the conflict, I mean, Israel is, is wrong. Israel is wrong in how they're treating the, the Palestinian people. Um, they are bombing civilians. They're bombing places of worship. They're bombing civilian areas, neighborhoods, and they are ethnically cleansing people from their homes and allowing Jewish people to steal people's homes and just claim them as their own. That is straight up wrong. And the reason that they're this is emblematic of this tension between the savings and the wokeness is because I was brought up to believe that as Christians, we're supposed to stand up for Israel and that since America is a Christian nation, we should just blindly support Israel in all of in all of their efforts because they are God's chosen people. Like I said, you can you can see my life. If you want to see my raw reaction to some things that I've been seeing, go to my Instagram. I am want to say, uh, but it's it's wrong, man. Like you can you can agree with someone's right to exist. You can agree with a nation's right to exist, like Israel's, which I do, and also disagree with their actions. It's perfectly fine. But I don't see people doing that. I don't see anybody who is a Christian calling out either one call, either calling out Israel or affirming Palestinians' rights to live in their homes that they own. Um, and we need to stop calling saying that they're getting evicted because eviction implies that there's that that people have defaulted on their rent, that there's some sort of landlord involved, and then that that person has legal authority to remove people from from their land. That's not what's happening. There's an ethnic cleansing. The same thing that that Jewish people suffered in the Holocaust, they are now doing to Palestinians in Israel, and it's not right. I and I I don't see enough. Christian leaders, I don't see enough Christian people talking about how how horrible this is, how absolutely horrible this is, and this has been going on. I'm not I'm not an expert. Like I ain't I ain't, I ain't that woke. There are limits, y'all. <laughs> I'm not an expert in the Israeli Palestinian conflict. I know it's going been going on for a while, but I do know what crime is. I know what terrorism is. And that's what Israel and these what they call settlement organizations are inflicting on these innocent people, man. And it's ridiculous. We have to as Christians, we have to stand up for justice no matter who it is for or who it's against or who it inconveniences. Because that's what Jesus did. So let us pray. Lord God, Father, thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your spirit of knowledge that resides in us. Thank you for imparting your Holy Spirit, the same spirit that empowered Christ throughout his life on earth and that rose him from the dead. Thank you for leaving that same spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, please show us where we have set up our own mental blocks or whether society or false religious teaching has primed us to believe things that are not true, has primed us to be blind to the suffering of others, to write off the suffering of others as their own fault. 
and replace that with compassion. Replace that with the truth, with knowledge of the truth. Replace that with understanding. Lord, give us the ability to see things as they are, to be able to seek and pursue justice. Help us to establish justice in the world, in our communities, in our homes, for our for ourselves, and for people outside of our circles. Lord God, I pray that we do this in areas and contexts in which that we will gain no benefit from. Lord God, help us to be that self-sacrificing. Lord, and I pray that this this experience will be a joy. Yes, we will be convicted, but I pray, Father God, that we will experience your peace, your joy, and your vigor for action and for, for kingdom work as we go about doing this, Lord. And I also pray that you just heal the hearts of people who have been hurt when they come into contact or just abruptly find out that their friends and family who love the Lord um, don't hold or don't understand social realities and who have been who have been cut who have been cut off father i pray that you just heal that hurt heal their heal their hearts and i pray that you would connect them with people who can restore them lord edify them and and build them up in in the truth lord help us to identify ways that we can stand up for believers uh, stand up for stand up for justice in, in, in all contexts regardless of how it makes certain people certain people feel in Jesus name and we just thank you for using this podcast as as a piece of that in Jesus name amen that's it for this week if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe leave us that good old five star rating along with a glowing review and please do share this with someone who needs to hear it And until next time, y'all know what to do. Keep the faith and stay woke.